Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your 2-0 undefeated, best in the AFC East, best in the AFC Miami Dolphins, part of the Believe Network presented by BetOnline.ag. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about the good doctor himself, Dr. Christopher Cullen. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? Uh, Sam, just let me know when we're recording, buddy. We are recording, buddy. Oh, Sorry, I'm just over here relaxing at 2 and 0. Uh two AFC wins and a divisional win and we're doing it without a lot of our starters. So excuse me, I'm, at, I'm feeling really just chill right now. The good the good doctor having himself a nice little uh back massage, little neck pillow going on, sipping on a little something something, feeling good going into the home opener week 3 against the AFC 0 and 2 Denver Broncos. Chris, you and I have not spoken since the Miami Dolphins pounced and beat the New England Patriots. Uh, how are you feeling about this Miami Dolphins team? Obviously, you're relaxed. You're feeling good. You're feeling cocky. You're feeling confident. Uh, but let's get into it, man. How do you feel about this team heading into week three against the Broncos team that, uh, well, let's just face it, I hate the Denver Broncos, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit. I, I Honestly, all jokes aside, I feel great about everything, Sam, because the way we're doing it. So the first game... We, it's just an air raid of passing in uh, a shootout with the Chargers, uh, the stupid, stupid Chargers. And um, our defense sucked, and we still held on to one on the road on the West Coast. So check one. Number two, they take away the pass. So what do we do? Hey, by the way, motherfuckers, we can run too. And here comes Raheem Mostert. And Tua had a decent game compared to the first one. Um, touchdown in a pick, 279, I think-ish. And uh, which funny that we're sitting here and we're like, oh, God, he only had 279. Jeez, that's it. Uh, I remember the Henny days and Matt Moore days where like, you know, buck 80 was our, our box score. But uh, we're getting different guys involved. I mentioned it in the open. Uh, there's guys that not even playing yet, like Armstead, Jalen Phillips missed week two. Uh, and guys are stepping up. Bradley Chubb had his best game as a Miami Dolphin in week two, in my opinion. Uh, forced to fumble, multiple tackles, sack. Uh, Van Ginkle steps up when, uh, you know, Phillips is out. Sam, we've seen this before. We're just not with our team. This is how good teams get through a season with multiple guys stepping up, different storylines every week um, because you built a good enough roster where if you're going to take the pass away, we're going to run. And if you, you know, go three safeties over the top, thanks for the free box. Here comes Ahmed and Moster all day. And that's what Mike McDaniel did. And I just, the the, the balls on that guy. Uh, he's funny. We've loved him since day one, Sam. And long story short, you asked me how I feel about it. I do feel relaxed. I feel great. Because when the tides are turned and things are happening or injuries are happening, we're not blinking. And that is something the Dolphins haven't normally historically done. 
No, and you're talking anecdotally that other people are getting involved and that other people at this team is deeper and longer. Yeah, baby. Um, but it actually bears out in the stats as well. And that's why you should listen to the show because you're going to get the facts. You're going to get the stats and you can take those over to bet online, ladies and gentlemen. And you want to do that because football is back and bet online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news scores and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds from week one all the way to the college football playoffs and the Super Bowl, where the York Miami Dolphins will be. BetOnline gives you the access to the best football promotions and content available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. But let's get into it, Chris. So you talked about it seemed like other people are getting involved. River Craycraft, Braxton Berrios, Alec Ingold, people on offense. It's not just your eyes deceiving you. It is 100% the truth. I looked it up here, Chris. I crunched some numbers. I squished them. And uh, through two games. Last season. Now, mind you, the first two games last season were against the New England Patriots, so a common opponent, and of course, the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. That was the game where Tua just went absolutely nuts 469 yards, six touchdowns, the fourth quarter comeback that we're going to be talking about for his entire career. Uh, but those first two games, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell were responsible for a certain percentage of passes caught in those two games. You care to guess how much of the offense was running through Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle from a percentage standpoint? 65, 70%. 60% of all the passes that were caught in those first two games went to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Care to guess the percentage for the first two games of 2023? 50%, 40%? 49%. So they've wow. actually started spreading the ball around by a clip of 11% going to River Craycraft, going to Braxton Barris. And by the way, these are similar sample sizes. 80 passes thrown by Tua Tungavailoa in 2022 through two games, 75 through two games here in, uh, in, in 2023. Now, that's in balls caught, right? 60% down to 49%. Let's talk about receiving yards. Care to guess the percentage of receiving yards that went through Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle the first two games last season, but based on percentage? 80%. 71%. You're not too wow. far off. 71% of the offense through the air was happening through Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. What about now? What about 2023, Chris? What is that same percentage for the same two game sample size? 58%. I think you almost nailed it. I think it's 56% <laughs> of the passing yards are going through either Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill. So it's not just that they're catching less balls. From Tyree or uh, from from Tua Tungabailoa, it's that we're actually spreading the ball out again. The sample size is very similar in terms of passes thrown: eighty in twenty twenty two, seventy five here in twenty twenty three. The yardage: seven sixty or seven thirty nine in twenty twenty two, seven fifteen in twenty twenty three. So it's not like we're throwing the ball less; we're throwing the ball the same amount of time. Uh, basically, but Tua is spreading the ball around to Braxton Berrios, to River Craycraft, to all those guys that we talked about, the unsung heroes, those second options, Raheem Mostert out of the backfield. Speaking of Raheem Mostert, first two games last year, Baltimore Ravens and New England Patriots, care to guess how many carries and yards he had in those games? Combined? Yes. 10 carries and 70 yards? Not too, not, I mean, you, you give him a lot of credit in terms of his yards per carry. He had 16 carries for 67 yards, no touchdowns, 4.1 yards per carry. We weren't really running the ball as often as we are now. Care to guess what we got in 2023? 
Well, I know you got 122 <laughs> this week. Uh, whew, 160 and 20 carries. 28 carries, 158 yards. So Ooh. you're spot on right there. Three touchdowns, man. Three touchdowns. No touchdowns last year, the first two games. Three touchdowns the first two games of this season. 5.6 yards per carry oh. for Raheem Mostert. So more than uh, one and a half yards extra every time he's running the ball out of the backfield. Three touchdowns versus none last year. 158 yards versus 67. We have 215 yards on the ground. 715 through the air first two games of the season. That's 23% of your 930 yards of offense happening on the ground last year at this time, 16.8%. So we're running the ball more often. We're getting more yards with this offense this year, and we're doing it with more people, more weapons. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's an embarrassment of riches for the Miami Dolphins here early in 2023, Chris. So it's not just your eyes deceiving you that other people are getting involved. They absolutely are. And the numbers bear it out. Yeah. And by the way, our Pro Bowl left tackle is uh, not a part of those first two games. So uh, all this is telling me, Sam, is that us being excited uh, us talking about it is not just smoke and mirrors. This no. is uh, actual proof, statistical hard evidence that we are spreading it around to trust these secondary players more. Mike McDaniel has gone an entire season and said, all right, this worked, this didn't. Let's fuck around and find out. And they're doing it. And honestly, and I know I mention it all the time as a defensive coach, you got to go into a game plan you got 11 players and you don't have any that are as fast as Jalen Waddle or Tyree kill, or honestly, Raheem Mostert most likely. So you're going into it and you're going to do what like new England did. They tried to take away Tyree kill and to try to take away the, uh, the deep passes. And all Tua did was throw for like nine yards, a clip still like is what is average the first two games. And uh, we're getting a first down almost every time he's throwing the ball, Sam, and he's doing it on the run. He's, he's, he's eluding pass rushes. The offensive line, for the most part, are keeping him clean. Um, and really, honestly, we're doing it in different formations or in the same formation in different plays, and it's just almost nearly impossible to defend. And if we continue this process, uh, we're already getting national attention from uh, Brandon Marshall saying that we're the team to beat in the NFL, not just the AFC, the NFL, um, because of how dangerous our offense is. And now our defense would shit the bed in the first week. And, and I noticed something about Mike McDaniel, too. You kept mentioning, like, your fundamentals and your you're doing your job are very important. And they did that in the second game and look what happened. I mean, Mac Jones was running for his life. He's getting smashed. Uh, the run game was nowhere near how uh, detrimental it was against the chargers. And uh, we came out of there with a win. I never felt uncomfortable the entire game, even though it got within one score. Um, honestly, Sam, like it, it's such a different feeling. And I'm talking about it with my family and I'm like, I, I don't know how to feel, but I do know I enjoy this feeling. And this is something we've been watching the Packers in the past, the Chiefs in the past, get to enjoy, and we're going to do it too. And it's just one of those things where, like, Denver's coming to town, and I know we're going to talk about them in a minute, and I'm just like, whatever. Like, I'm not like it, – it, it, and you mentioned it slightly, Sam. We're doing all this also on the road. On the road in a 4 o'clock game on the West Coast, and on the road in a hostile environment, a divisional opponent – on national TV games. We normally lose games. We normally make excuses for like it's national TV and the home team normally wins or whatever. We're winning that those games in the first two clips. And honestly, Sam, it's, it's fucking phenomenal. I love it. No, it, it is phenomenal. And uh, you look at the way the schedule is laying out. Now this looked like one of the toughest schedules for uh, any team in the NFL when you looked at it on paper, but now the first two games out of the way, you win both. If we had split, I would have considered it a victory. You now only have five more 
games on the road with a hostile fan base environment because that game against the Chiefs is in Germany. It's going to be basically neutral ground. You have nine home games. So five on the road, nine at home, and of course that European matchup in Germany. I like how you mentioned Germany and then immediately said nine. Nine. Yeah, well, that was uh, just a happy accident, of course. But, uh, you know, what's not a happy accident is the success of uh, this run game. Um, you know, credit to Butch Berry. Somebody get that man a new pack of post-it notes, whatever color he wants, because it seems to be working for the Miami Dolphins. Now, when you look at this offensive line, they're not perfect, but they are going to get Teron Armstead back most likely against the Denver Broncos. But I would be okay if he sat down again here, Chris, because Kendall Lamb has been absolutely on fire for our left tackle. Isaiah Wynn has been a win for the Miami Dolphins at left guard. Connor Williams, bad snaps aside, has been an absolute mauling beast when it comes to blocking at the center position. And of course, Robert Handy Hunt has been Robert Handy Hunt his entire career. And then, of course, Austin Jackson, he's there. But, you know, four out of five ain't bad considering what our biggest concern was coming into the season was this offensive line. But there's a couple of things that they've been doing. A, they invested in people that can run block. And when you can run block, that gives you that that extra uh, uh, element of your offense that people have to respect. Like we talked about, they're running at about a six or seven percent higher clip so far early in this season than they did last year. So people have to respect the fact that we may turn around and hand that ball to Raheem Mostert and let him go crazy. And when you have blockers in front of you that can actually not only block the people in front of you, but get out to that second line and hit a linebacker or knock a cornerback on their butt so that Raheem Mostert can run past them. That's going to make you pause a little bit about what you're going to do defensively, both individually and as a unit on the defense. Number two, we are starting to see consistency. Connor Williams has been there. Robert Hunt has been there. Austin Jackson is starting to settle in as your right tackle. So you're starting to see uh, consistency pay off. Number three, they're not letting Tua Tungabailoa get hit. Four hits so far through two games, one sack. That used to be like one series for Tua yes. Tungabailoa. Yes. So the fact that he's staying upright, obviously, he's got a quick processor, he's got a quick release, and he's accurate as all get out, as we've seen with Braxton Berrios and Tyree Kill and everybody else when he's throwing the ball all over the place. So if he's getting the ball out in two seconds and he's throwing the ball where it needs to be thrown and he's making the right decisions, it is virtually unstoppable. It's virtually unstoppable. It doesn't matter what defense you put out there, Chris. Like you talked about, man-to-man, fine. We'll go over the top with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. You want to play a zone? Sure, we'll get you underneath with Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and everybody else. You want to put three safeties way far back so that nobody gets past you? Okay, we'll turn turn around and hand the ball to Raheem Mostert or do little you know touch passes to Suvan Ahmed and get 25 yards because you're so far away from where the actual action is happening. It's not that we have these in our arsenal. It's not that we have the talent. It's knowing when to use it and deploying it and then executing it to a T, and they've been doing that. It's been very, very um, encouraging to see very little minimal mistakes. We're not even seeing the pre-snap penalties. We're not seeing the delay of games. We're we're seeing actually the opposite. Braxton Berrios in that game against the Patriots gets his knee down. There's a 10-second runoff. We have no timeouts going into halftime, two-minute offense with like 30 seconds left. What do the Miami Dolphins do? They huddle up while they're reviewing it to understand where it needs to be. They have a play in mind. They have a play behind that in case that one doesn't work or falls short. They have a game plan. Last year, that's not the case. So they've matured. They've evolved. They're using more pieces. They're using those pieces effectively. And that spells disaster for opposing defenses throughout this year. Well, yeah, and that's just Mike McDaniel also progressing as a head coach, yep. uh, knowing those little nuances, something we talked about when Adam Gase was a coach that – you go from being a coordinator to like running the entire fucking ship and there's things that happen and you're like, fuck, I didn't even think about that. 
or I didn't even think about having that installed, or I didn't even think about like, uh, what do I do in a two minute situation? And there's a 10 second runoff. You, you don't think about those things in your first year and you got to kind of fail forward. I think having Vic Vangio, um, I, I'm sorry. I said that I can't Cameron, uh, Cam Vic, Cameron I saw you shiver by, like yeah. immediately, um, for those not watching and listening to this audibly. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to shout out and I'm glad you brought them up is the offensive line. Cause we are historically shitters on this offensive line and rightfully so they've, they've deservedly so like there's no way that we're just picking on a unit because you know it's the only one we can they've been historically bad in the past and one guy in particular i'm glad you kind of you shouted him out and this is something i'm going to speak this into existence because it's just too good we're all sitting around kendall lamb is having a great game we google him he's been the team after team after team this guy went to butler high school that is like 20 not even 20 minutes from my house my sister graduated from butler high school so that would be really fucking cool kendall shout out speak to existence get your ass on the perfect bill that'd be really cool i'd love to talk to you uh see if you know who i know uh, i'm sure you played with like the benny lemays and all those guys uh that'd be pretty neat uh, um Riley Ferguson, who went to Memphis, won a state championship, all that. I think he's around that age. So uh, that's so cool that he's manning our left tackle spot and doing well. People are like, oh, no, Armstead's out again. Like, my brother literally threw his hat when the inactives came out watching the 4 o'clock games. And I'm like, let's see how he does. And, and you mentioned the line, too. Sam, we're not doing this against a bunch of duds. This is nope. Joey Bosa that we played. This is um, uh, Khalil Mack that we played. This is Godchow and the defensive tackles and Bilicek's scheme defense that we played in four hits, one sack. I mm -hmm. mean, that's just unbelievable, and it's a testament to the line, a testament to Chris Greer, who previously before the season came out and said, I think you guys are more worried than we are, and Tua getting the ball out quickly. And that's just progress from McDaniel progress from Tua, confidence from the linemen and uh within the first two games Sam it's working yeah don't forget Matthew Judon who I think was the sack leader last year for uh, New England Patriots and possibly in the league and you know yeah it's just it's just better all the way around the defense is better as well I mean Javon Holland has 25 tackles through two games uh, Bradley Chubb made his debut this uh past weekend with the New England Patriots seven tackles two stuffs uh, one sack and obviously a massive forced fumble early in that game as they were driving uh, about one of the only times that the wide receiver got behind the defense. He could have very easily given up on the play. Instead, he chases after them, pokes the ball out. And Xavier Howard, who was probably in the middle of impregnating another woman, watches that ball fall over to Eli Apple. <laughs> Eli Apple takes that ball and says, I could probably pass interference this ball, but instead I'll just recover it. And then obviously it's flipped around. Uh, yeah, Xavier Howard, what 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 news, huh? He gets an interception, and then he has uh, no contraception, contraception because apparently four women pregnant at the same time, Chris. Uh, to me, that's just a good zone coverage scheme right there. I don't, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I know they tell him to, uh, you know, go hawk down the rock, but I, I think he's misinterpreting it as spreading his seed because that is just, hey, uh, like a pass interference, wrap it up. Yeah. like come on like four baby mamas like no wonder he's asking for a contract new contract every year yeah he's like i need more money why i just do okay don't ask stupid questions <laughs> it's just a lot of alimony baby it's another house another kid another christmas present all that pull stuff out. in there pull out but he actually did not practice today here on wednesday and i'm assuming he was just probably at the hospital saying hello to his new bundle of joy somewhere 
uh, has nothing to do he with needs an to actual be practicing injury. Practicing safe sex is what he needs to be doing. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, he he certainly practiced safe sex with uh, Devontae Parker on, on that sideline against the New England Patriots because Devontae Parker. Uh, I mean, I have never seen so many vicious tweets about Devontae Parker from the media, like legit media, not idiots like you and me, Chris, but like Joe Shad and others are like, this is nothing new for Xavier and Howard. If you watch practice, he's uh, he's basically been abusing Devontae Parker for years. And I was like, Jesus Christ, did yeah. Devontae Parker piss in your soup or something? Like, why are we mad at Devontae? It is what he does. But let's not talk about the Patriots anymore. Let's not talk about the Chargers. They are in our past. Let's look into our future and our near future, Chris, is yet another AFC opponent, this time Russell Wilson, former Super Bowl winning quarterback, uh, and uh, the rest of the Denver Broncos coming in, coached by Sean Payton, former Super Bowl winning head coach. Uh, There's an interesting stat out there, Chris, that the last nine Super Bowl winning head coaches that Tua Tungabailoa has faced since he's come to the Miami Dolphins, he's beat them. 5-0 Five and zero against Bill Belichick, and of course all the other ones that he's beaten along the way, including Sean Payton a couple of years ago. Uh, but let's get into it because the Broncos are in the AFC, which means I hate them, and I know you hate them. So this is how we're going to do our preview. We're going to talk about how much we hate the Denver Broncos. We're going to go back and forth, just explaining what it is we hate about them. There's something. There's three things, in fact, that we hate about this team, Chris. Let's just jump into the pool of hatred here. It's a sacred pool that only you and I can dip our toes into. I'm going to go ahead and let you skinny dip first. Why do you hate the Denver Broncos? I hate the Denver Broncos because of John Elway. Uh, John Elway and his goofy fucking teeth. I mean, he he holds out, says he's going to play baseball so he doesn't go to the Colts. You know, what, what a diva from the beginning. Before you even start your career, you're already a little bitch. And then you go to Denver, another horse-based team other than the Colts, of course, ironically. And then you sit there and you have basically the same type of trajectory of career as Dan Marino. The only difference is you get a run game, which you got lucky for. If you look at the history of Terrell Davis, he was a like linebacker in college, like, and was on special teams making tackles in preseason in that rookie year on the Denver Broncos. And they moved him to running back. That guy would have been cut most likely. And don't even get me started on the fucking salute. You're not soldiers. Your stupid elbow pads. Uh, Ed McCaffrey looked so goofy back in the day in those dark purple and orange. Shannon Sharp looks like a horse, like terrible looking human beings from this franchise. John Elway now is like this goofball owner that looks like a fucking when you go to you know when you go to the fair and they like un like realistically draw your caricature when they do that cool picture and they always like emphasize something. That's John Wel- Elway normal. Like he is just that drawing at a carnival and they're like, I just, they just hold up a mirror when he goes to them because they, why draw anything? It's not going to get any worse than how he looks currently. And then he wins two Super Bowls, you know, based on the defense and and running game around him at 97 years old or whatever the hell it was. And he got to have his glory and Dan Marino didn't. And it really just fucking grinds my gears. He should have been in the same pool as Kelly, same pool as Marino ringless, Huge teeth, like Matt Moore, like laughs at his teeth. Like that's how bad his fucking goofball smile is. So I hate John Elway. So if you're Dan Marino and you have the ability to swap your entire career with John Elway, so he would still be with the, maybe the Miami Dolphins, but he would have the stats of John Elway with the two rings and also the teeth. But John Elway would have all those passing records. 
do you think Dan Marino swaps or at this point of his life, does he look at those individual accomplishments that he made uh, in the NFL and say, you know what? Yes, I didn't get those rings, but I am probably more revered than John Elway in terms of a pure passer. What do you think Dan Marino would do if he was given the ability to swap places Freaky Friday style with John Elway? That's a great question because you sit there and it's a team sport and it's a, you're a team player. Uh, so at first you're like, yeah, yeah, the rings, right? Of course, like Dan would want to do that. But then you think about it and you mentioned it at the end there. And this is what got me questioning my, my answer. He's more revered. You're right. Like literally, if you talk about the top five, 10 quarterbacks, Marino is on every one of those lists. Elway gets left off yeah. and he has two rings. Um, at this point in his life, I think he's accepted it. At this point in his life, I hope he gets it as a as an executive with the yeah. Miami Dolphins. A, so me and you and our amazing Perfectville population get to see one. Um, and, and then, yeah, he, he's not going to be like, I'm a player or anything, but he is directly involved with this team. I mean, he's on the field talking to Tua. He's in quarterback meetings. He, he's directly involved. So it would be an earned ring, not as a player, of course, as an executive. But... I, I don't think he would switch spots, Sam. I, I think the whole NFL is, is changed because of him. Uh, I think I don't think a Peyton Manning even is the same kind of player if Dan Marino has a different career than he had because they all wanted to be him yeah. and what he did in that era. So um, I'm going to go ahead and say, not knowing him personally, he would he would he would just accept uh, how, how it's fallen out. It's interesting that John Elway and Dan Marino are linked the way they are. Uh, when you consider Peyton Manning, his hero growing up was, in fact, Dan Marino. And then Eli Manning, there's a lot of similarities between him and John Elway uh, holding out, not signing with the team that drafted them and forcing their way to a different situation and then winning two championships. Go figure. That's how it worked for both of them. So Eli Manning is much more like John Elway, Peyton Manning, and of course, Dan Marino, uh, similar as well. But uh, all right, so that's why you hate them. You hate them because of John Elway and uh, and and the bullshit wins that he had in terms of two Super Bowls. That he didn't win those. You didn't win those, John. Terrell Davis won those. Mike Shanahan won those. You didn't win those. Uh, here, here's here's something that I hate. I hate the fact that this is a trap game in Week Three already. And I don't know if the Miami Dolphins are feeling that way, but I am starting to feel that this is a game that people are taking for granted. You and I talk a little bit offline about Jalen Waddell. And uh, is it okay if he doesn't play because of the concussion issue? Yeah, it's okay. You want him healthy, but it's not a guaranteed victory against the Denver Broncos. I know it's at home. I know we're going to be in all whites. They're going to be in their dark uniforms. It's going to be about 90 degrees and humid as all hell. The Miami Dolphins have an offense that cannot be stopped. The defense for the Denver Broncos has been absolute trash. So that's not a good look for the Denver Broncos coming into Miami to play this high potent offense. However, did you know, Chris, that the Denver Broncos lead the NFL this year in points per possession? Dolphins are third. Denver Broncos are number one. They score more points per possession than any other team right now. This is not a cakewalk. This is not a pushover opponent. They're probably the best 0-2 team in the AFC right now. They just happen to be going against the, probably the best 2-0 team in the AFC, which means that the Miami Dolphins need to take this seriously. Yes, the Buffalo Bills on the road. Week 4 is the marquee matchup that the entire national media is going to be talking about. Tua versus Josh Allen. Can Miami finally get it done in Buffalo week four? You know, could they put their stamp and put their 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 foot on the throat of the entire AFC East in week four? But they got to get through week three here. Now they have a couple things going for them, Chris. A, it is at home. This crowd is going to be raucous because they've Insane. been on the road for two straight weeks. They've won those games. Everybody's talking about us in a in a positive light. Also, did you know that the Denver Broncos have only won once? 
in South Florida for their entire existence. I believe it's eight and one for the Miami Dolphins against those Denver Broncos in Miami overall, 12, six and one. So the Miami Dolphins have the Denver Broncos number. I would say at this point, it's basically ownage. But again, you cannot take it for granted. One game doesn't mean the next one's going to happen the same exact way. Everything is lining up for the Miami Dolphins to win this game. Teron Armstead's coming back. Jalen Waddell may or may not play. You've got an offense that's just humming on all cylinders. And you've got a defense that seems to be turning it on um, early and is only going to get better week after week after week as people get healthier. But I hate that we have a trap game right now because this is the type of game in the past that the Miami Dolphins would take for granted and would fall into that trap. And all of a sudden the wheels start coming off and you're losing games that you shouldn't be losing. And then you get your ass beat the week after, cause you're still going, what the hell happened? How did we lose to Denver? And here comes the Buffalo bills to hit you in the mouth. So I hate that we have a trap game, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that history will fall our way and that the Miami dolphins stay focused and get past this opponent. And then they can start talking about Buffalo on Monday. We've already talked about Sam. Uh, the dolphins are kind of flipping the script of what historically they've done. So I'm pretty confident Mike McDaniel uh, in, in this coaching staff and keeping these guys ready and focused. Um, you know, Denver is 0-2, but they're, they're both close games. Um, I watched that whole game last week, uh, actually, that they played the Commanders um, because the starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders, Sun Valley High School's own, well, I'm wearing the shirt right now, uh, Sam Howell. And, uh, of course, Dolphins didn't play till that night, so I wanted to watch Sam and – I mean, honestly, <laughs> Sam's a good quarterback. I like the guy. He's in basically his rookie year. He played one game last year, and he picked that defense apart. He had yeah. time to throw. There's a couple times he was sacked, of course, because he held the ball too long. Young guy, that's going to happen. Tua's not doing that. And uh, I just don't think that um, Russell Wilson at this point in his career can can hang with, with, with us, which is really good. Going to be interesting because Russell Wilson has been, or Tua has been compared to Russell Wilson as far as like size and how he plays and things like that. Um, I'm just excited for the fans, man. Home game, home opener, one o'clock game. So we're just going to be like out early, ready to go, as opposed to waiting till four Eastern, eight Eastern the last two weeks to just natural one o'clock game in the heat in Miami. And, um, uh, they're going to you, you said they're be raucous. They're going to be raucous. It's going to be nuts. And you hit a couple big plays. I, 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 we've seen it before, and this was past my prime. I, I wasn't born yet. You were a, a pup, but I mean, you look at that Orange Bowl crowd when the my '85 Dolphins beat the undefeated uh, Bears. I think they changed the rules because the referees asked them to be quiet because they're so loud that they couldn't hear themselves think these fans in Miami can get loud and they will, especially for a winner. And, and that's just the way it is. And these tickets are It's going to be sold out. It, it's, it's going to be a fun game, Sam. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And am I sitting here cocky? Like fuck the Broncos. No, it, it's a close own two team. Very close to being two and a little skewed with that hail Mary at the end. Washington kind of beat them by a little bit more than what it looks like. But, um, I don't know, man. I feel good about it. Neck pillow and all, man. I'm feeling relaxed. I'm feeling good. And then the real monster is week four. But we can't look past it. I mean, we can because we're not playing. Sure. But uh, as far as the players go and speaking on their behalf, no. You focus up. You beat Denver. You punch John Elway in the fucking weird teeth and you move on. All right. So it's a trap game. We hate John Elway. One of the reasons to hate the Denver Broncos, Chris, 
Let's hear it. Let's uh, let's just give it to them nice and hot and greasy and wet. Why do we hate the Denver Broncos one more time? All right, last time, and you asked me to do two, and at first I was like, I'm 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 pulling at straws here. I'm not. I'm not pulling at straws. I fucking hate that they are a mile high and they just don't stop telling us. Like it's the Ryan Tannehill played receiver in college of the Denver Broncos. They fucking sit there and tell us how high their stadium is. We get it. You're in the fucking Rocky Mountains. Uh, Ryan Clark can't play there because of his fucking Crohn's disease or whatever the hell he has. We get it. It's it's high. The altitude's thin. Neat. That means two of his balls are going to travel further. I'm not worried about it if we were playing there we're in Miami. But, like, I, I can't stand it. A mile high. Well, I'm, I'm about to mile high five your face with my fist because I don't care. That's how much I care. A, a mile's worth of not giving a shit of how high your altitude is and how you have to continue to tell us every time to the point where the game will be played at home in Denver and it'll like show the, you know, the zoomed out stadium and like fucking Ian Eagle or whatever. Ian Eagle will be like, welcome to Denver. And like, literally they'll like make a graphic and put it on the bottom. How many thousands of feet they're in the air? No one gives a shit. They, they, they don't care. We do not care about your mile high bullshit. Yeah. And you know, what's weird about that too, Chris, is that, you know, th- it's almost revered like, Oh, you know, are you going to be able to do it here in Denver? We're a mile up in the air. The air is thinner up here and you know, you're going to need more oxygen. You're going to run out of breath sooner yet. Somehow the Miami dolphins are lambasted for having the sun be hot in Miami. Like, okay. How come the Denver Broncos have this ability to just run around in a mile high stadium? They don't have to put it up there. They could find a valley to put that thing down into. They could go to Colorado Springs instead of Denver, still call it the Denver Broncos and have a, a stadium there. But nobody ever like yells about it. I don't hear Raider fans bitching about it. I don't hear Charger fans bitching about it. I don't hear Chiefs fans bitching about anything, really. Um, yet Buffalo Bills fans and Patriots fans and Jets fans are always complaining about the sun and how hot it is and how it's an unfair advantage. We're not the only team that has a stadium that is strategically placed in a way that helps the home team and hurts the away team. Mile high is the same exact thing. I agree with you. I hate that. I hate the Broncos for that. I do. So anyway. real quick, uh, breaking news, and this will be old news probably by the time this comes out, but the Rams did just ch- trade Cam Akers to the Minnesota Vikings for a swap of draft picks. So he was on the way out. We knew that, but uh, it doesn't really affect us, NFC teams, but uh, Minnesota gets rid of Dalvin Cook and gets Cam Akers. So that's pretty interesting. As somebody who in a dynasty auction league has Alexander Madison, I'm furious at that news. But uh, good for Cam Akers, I suppose. I really don't care. We'll talk about the Vikings and the Rams another time, but you're right. Breaking news is breaking news, and we've had a lot of breaking news and a lot of broken running backs uh, so far this year, Chris. So uh, we don't have that. We have Raheem Mostert. He is nice and healthy. We want to keep him that way. We have Devon Chain, who looks like he might be the backup in this game because, speaking of broken quarterback uh, running backs, Suvon Ahmed looks like he's a little bit banged up and will not be practicing at least until Friday, which tells me Devon Chain is most likely going to be the primary backup to Raheem Mostert in this game. So let's get into it, Chris. We've talked about how we hated the Broncos. We talk about what we love about the Miami Dolphins. What's the final score here? End of the game, Sunday afternoon. Are we looking up and seeing happy smiles on the faces of Dolphins fans? Are we seeing sad faces? And if so, what's that score? I think they started out a little hot, uh, quiet the crowd a little bit, get up to about 10 points. Our defense tightens up. Our offense keeps the ball on the field. A few explosive plays. And Sam, I'm honestly, normally, you know me, uh, our listeners of Perfect Veal normally know that I'm pretty close you know, 21-17 type deal, like 20 to 
you know, 18 type deal um, with the way our offense is playing uh, the way uh, the points we've scored already in the first two games and yards we've had. I mean, like Wilson in two games almost has equal to the amount of yards that Tua had in just the first game. Uh, so I think we come out of this one, Sam, 34-17. I think they maybe score a late touchdown and mop up uh, duty. Uh, I, I think the crowd's going crazy. We're up and um, getting them to cheer. And uh, we're 3-0, leaving home around 4.20 p.m. Eastern. Um, and it's going to be it's gonna be fun. I think it's going to be a fun one. I think our defense is confident. We're getting Phillips back. We're getting Armstead back. Um, I think it's gonna be a good game, man. I'm really, I'm really putting my, I'm, I'm putting my hat on this one. You said duty. I don't want to let that go by without acknowledging the fact that you said duty. All right, you have it, thirty-four seventeen. I have this very similar to you. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking the Miami Dolphins' offense against this putrid Denver Broncos defense. On top of that, you have a lot of little interesting storylines here. Um, Vic, Vic Fangio former head coach for the Denver Broncos, now coming back as the curmudgeon, angry, get-off-my-lawn defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins, Bradley Chubb, former Denver Bronco, finally coming into a zone with the Miami Dolphins. Both of those guys have this game circled on their calendar. You know it. They're going to dial up something. There's going to be schemes to get Bradley Chubb in Russell Wilson's face. I expect a big game from this defensive line and this defense in general. From Miami Dolphins under Vic Fangio, he's going to want to have a smile on the end of his face and go, ha ha, that's what you get for firing me. Thank you for the free money. I'm now in a better position here in Miami. That's number one. Number two, Sean Payton was the rumored head coach that was going to take over the Miami Dolphins during the whole Stephen Ross, Tom Brady, lose draft picks for no good reason. Um, instead, we get Mike McDaniel, happy little side accident for us. I think Mike McDaniel is going to look at this and say, all right, Sean Payton, you're supposed to be the guy. I'm proving that I am the guy. And he's going to dial up something for this awful defense and shove it right down Sean Payton's throat and say, I'm the better coach now. I'm the captain now. On top of all that, you also have the fact that Mike McDaniel started his football journey with the Denver Broncos. He was the ball boy for the Denver Broncos way back when. And now he's going to face them with him being the head coach for the Miami Dolphins. This guy is so dialed in, Chris. His watch is pinned at 2.46 p.m. when he was hired to be the head yeah, coach. Yeah, saw that. That was Dolphins. cool. You think this guy doesn't have attention to detail? You think this guy isn't aware of everything that's going on around him? He's racing the cameraman at halftime. That's how loose this guy is. That's how in control this man is when it comes to the Miami Dolphins, when it comes to the NFL, and it comes to the media. This is not a game where the Miami Dolphins are going to mess around. I know I was concerned about it being a trap game, but that's me. I mean, that's old habits dying hard. I see this 31 and then flip the score 13 Miami Dolphins at home. I think they come out early. They get over the top. They start to wear them down with those dark color uniforms and that hot muggy sun of South Florida. And then Raheem Mostert, Devon, chain and the rest of the boys start running and they don't stop running until they get to the end zone. 31, 13 Dolphins, three and oh, Denver Broncos, oh, and three on to Buffalo after that. Yeah, I mean, Sam, honestly, the Washington Commanders with basically a first-year quarterback uh, put up 35 points on the Denver Broncos last week. So me even giving them 34 is almost disrespectful to the Miami Dolphins. I just see us pumping the brakes and running a chain as some and uh, running the clock. But I could see us literally putting up 45 to 50 points on this defense. Uh, our offense is uh, just running on all cylinders right now. 
Uh, Mike McDaniel is in control. I love the story about that watch. He told the players he's going to go buy it and spend a ridiculous amount of money. And uh, if he gets fired next year, he's fucked. That's him betting on himself, betting on the team, and betting that he knows what's best for this team. And honestly, I said it last week or last time we spoke, um, I, I don't think we've made a better decision to run our franchise in since Shula. I mean, honestly, it's um, pretty incredible. It's two games in, Sam. Um, we deserve to bust our load a little bit because we, it's been through a lot. Um Let's enjoy week three, man. Home opener, you fans that are listening, that are local, that are going, enjoy it. Do it for us. Do it for Sam and I. Tailgate your ass off. Be loud as shit and uh, enjoy it because I think it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a fun game, and I think it's going to be a celebration for the Miami Dolphins and their fan base, the citizens of Perfectville. Uh, So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We hate the Denver Broncos. We love the Miami Dolphins. We think this is going to go our way. We're getting at least a 30-burger against this awful Denver Broncos defense. And it's all going to be nothing but, uh, you know, rainbow farts and Cheerios at the end of this game here, Chris. Uh, There's a good combination for you. Uh, Anything else you want to say before we get out of here and start prepping for this Sunday? Dolphins home opener. Sunday weather check. High of 85, 73% humidity, partly sunny. So it's going to be brutal for the Denver Broncos, mate. It uh, doesn't sound like a good place to be unless you're from South Florida already. Uh, they're probably going to hope they are up on that mountain miles and miles and miles away, a mile high away from that heavy, thick air that's about to hit them and their lungs. Uh, well, with that being you know, said. I, you know, I, and I don't normally do this. You asked me if I had something else to say. Just to add on to my hate a little bit more. Okay. Just think about, could you imagine if they started a Miami Dolphins game? They're like, we're at sea level here at Miami. Like That's, that's what that sounds like. Could oh. you imagine them starting the game with that every single week? They're like, oh, you're at sea level. You dig you dig a foot down and water will seep out. Like, what? who cares? All right. Here, here's what we're going to do. For all the listeners of Perfville, I'm, I'm coming up with this right now. We're going to have the Denver Broncos, Miami Dolphins bingo card. Okay? If you see these things or you hear these things during the broadcast, you go ahead and mark it off and then take a shot or a drink of whatever it is you want. Number one, Mike McDaniel was the ball boy for the Denver Broncos. If you hear that, Drink. Take a drink. All right. Number two, they do some sort of graphic or comparison of where the Denver Broncos stadium is and where sea level Miami Dolphin stadium is. If there's some sort of graphic showing the disparity there, you drink. Number three, if they show the temperature gauge on the field, split screen, Dolphin shade, Broncos sun, you drink. Right? Right there. You know those things are going to happen. What about if they have a Russell Wilson and Tua Tungavailoa? Look, their skin color is kind of the same. They must be <laughs> the same quarterback sort of graphic. You drink. drink. You know that's what they're doing. Come on, let's yes. be honest. Let's be yes. honest. What they're else? They're not what comparing them to. They're not comparing them to the uh, who's the backup quarterback for the Saints. The one that they send out there in like gadget plays. Yeah, Taysom Hill. No. Taysom Hill. They're on the same size, but he's white, so yeah. he doesn't compare him to him. No. Russell Wilson has like a very like. Kit Kat color, <laughs> skin color, like yeah. Tua. So they compare the two. Here's another one for you. Mike McDaniel played receiver at Yale. Mm. Drink. Okay, there's a good one. How about Mike McDaniel comes from the Shanahan tree, and Mike Shanahan's the most successful coach in Denver Broncos history. Drink. Drink. How about this? If they show a graphic with Raheem Mostert, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Devon Chain, and anybody else who has a sub 4.440, you drink. 
Vic Vangio in a Denver Broncos uniform or coaching shirt shown on the television. Drink. Um, yeah, another one, Bradley Chubb in a Broncos uniform because this is his game against his former team. You drink. John Elway and Dan Marino hugging before the game on the field. <laughs> you drink. Dan better wear a fucking pair of ski goggles because those goddamn teeth are going to cut a retina if, if he gets too close. He has to tilt his head like the old Shaq Taco Bell commercial. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. The drinking game. The Denver Broncos. We're getting everybody fucked up. <laughs> you will be. That, that's all going to happen before kickoff, by the way. I mean, people are just going to pass out and miss the, 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 the lightning show. That is the Miami Dolphins uh, offense there. All right. Well, I enjoyed that. That was a nice little add-on bonus for everybody listening and sticking through here. But no more things to say. So the only thing I'm going to say, the only thing left to say, because we're not talking about the OKS Fantasy League ever this year, because I am absolutely dog shit terrible in that league. So the only thing left to say, on behalf of the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer and the good doctor, myself, the entire Believe Network presented by betonline.ag, goodbye from Perfect Bill. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.